0: time the children are dismissed to we worship glad you can be here this morning reminder that we do have our regular bible study time tonight um and then uh, we are going to have a family meeting it's it uh, should be a short one uh and then we we're going to have an ice cream social so i'm hoping either the bible study the prayer time the family meeting or the ice cream will get you here this evening um so make your way here hope these things uh, our blessing to you. Next Sunday, uh, next Sunday evening, we will not have an evening service due to the holiday. The next day, I know that many will be traveling, in a way. Uh, also next weekend, so uh, no evening service. With that, let's have a word of prayer, Father. And now we're going to open Your Word. And Lord, there is no help better than the help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I am a weak and I am a flawed vessel. And so, Lord, in order for your truth to clearly be wrung out, we need your Holy Spirit to work in me, to work in those who are listening. Once again, Father, there are a great many things on our minds this morning, a great many distractions. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be here and to be in your word. And Lord, have the heart that is ready to learn. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Years ago, I knew a young couple uh, in one winter in Michigan, and of course, you guys know Michigan winters can be rather harsh. Uh, One winter, they had just had a new baby, uh, just a few months old, I think at that point. Uh, They lived in a house that was primarily uh, heated by propane, and so they had one of those big propane tanks on the outside of their house, um, and that was the primary way they got heat in the winter. Well, one day, the heat went out. It turns out that that big old tank in there at the side of their house was now empty. And they didn't have any money. They called up the gas company, and they said, well, we need gas. We have a new baby. We need heat. And they said, well, not only can we, uh, not, only, uh, can we not help you, uh, but we can get there in two weeks if you pay a fee. Well, they didn't help. So I know that at this point, they started calling around to friends and family saying, hey, uh, we, in order to get propane today, uh, we have to pay this exceptional amount of money. We have to pay for the truck to get there. We have to pay all of this money out. We don't have this money. Well, everybody they talked to didn't have the money either. What do you do? What do you do? You're a young couple, new baby. Middle of winter, it's cold, and you can't get any heat. But just a few hours after they had called around, a propane truck pulled into their driveway, filled up that tank, and left. To this day, they have no idea how that happened. I do. In fact, I might be the only person that knows. You see, because I know who made the phone call to the gas company, who made the offer to pay for what was needed to be paid in order to get them there that day, and the reason I know is because I was sitting with them when they did it. Someone they knew, but probably would never expect to help. And someone close to them told me later that when that propane tank left the driveway, and the heat kicked on, that new mom sat in the middle of that floor and cried. I don't know if anybody here has ever been in a place like that. Have you ever been in a place where you had a need, a significant need, and nobody in no way to find any help? As Americans, we have to admit, in most cases, we do not face need. In fact, that word, need, we kind of bat about carelessly. We, we say we need to see that movie. Or we need to get some ice cream. Or we need to get some sleep. Or I need to pass that test. And so we just kind of throw the word around. But most of us in this room really have never had to face real need. Now in the last few sections of Psalm 119, what we have seen... Is the psalmist cry out and ask God for help because he is facing pressure from outside of himself to not walk with God? The social pressure, those around him trying to encourage him to not walk with God, not do the things, not uh, not do the things that God wants him to do, not obey. But he also is in the in the next section. He is dealing with internal problems, the sin that he keeps finding uh, blooms in his heart are causing detours in his walk with God. So think about it. He's trying to to walk with God, and the wind is blowing against him, and his foot keeps continuing to slip, and he finds himself falling over and over, and he's not intending to to get to where he wants to go. Now, let me ask you a question. How far is he going to get without help? How far, if he's facing that kind of pressure, and he has that problem with sin, how far is he going to get without help? I remember one time... I was visiting Carol when we were dating. I stayed in a house that was uh, just uh, maybe half a block from her. But it was a little downhill. Her parents live uh, at the peak of a hill. The rest of the houses kind of slowly sloped down the road. But I was staying a few houses down, and after we had spent some time together, it was dark. Uh, and I was walking back to the house where I was staying. And unbeknownst to me, I was walking less than a foot away from a rather steep drop off and my foot slipped and i went rolling down that hill so it's dark this is a community i don't know this is a place i really don't know very well now i'm at the bottom of the hill and i have no which way i don't know which way to go now it took me a good 10 minutes to figure out what i needed to do now imagine Imagine walking somewhere and that would happen to you over and over and over again. That's the idea here. How far would you get? How long until you turn back? How long until you give up without any help? The Bible's very clear about our need for help. We are a needy people in need of help. In this section of Psalm 119, I think we can talk about the five basic ideas about our need for help. Five basic ideas about our need for help. Number one, we need a teacher. You see that the very first thing he says, Teach me, O Lord. He is pleading with God to be taught. Now, if, if this is Daniel, as we've kind of surmised it might be, this might surprise us. We read the story of Daniel, and it does seem like we're talking about someone who knows everything they need to know. Someone who seems to be prepared to, to, uh, to do what he needs to do. We also find a Daniel, someone who clearly was ready to be a student. Well, let me say it this way. I don't know about you, but one of the worst kinds of people to ever encounter in life is somebody who is unteachable. We see that all over now on social media. People who are talking past each other. People who are not interacting with each other. People who are simply unteachable. They brag about their own wisdom They talk about how they don't need to hear from anybody else. Now, in a way, we kind of expect this out of children, don't we? We know that children don't know what they don't know. And we might even chuckle. I'm sure as a parent, you've had your little moments where a little one came to you and proclaimed some great proclamation about the world, and you kind of laughed. Oh, silly little one. But how do you feel when you encounter that with an adult? It's almost repulsive. Here in the psalm, the writer is asking the Lord to be his teacher. There's two acknowledgments in this verse. Of course, he's acknowledging that he needs to be taught. James tells us that if we ask for wisdom, God's ready to give it to us in large quantities. But the other idea here is, of course, he needs the right teacher. We like to say what experience teaches. Like experience can be both a good and bad teacher. From the very beginning of the New Testament, we find that there were those who were trying to get into the church to gain followers and to to teach the wrong thing. The Bible is very clear in Romans, for example, that there are things that we need to be taught about God from God because we would never obtain or never come to the conclusions on our own. So the first thing we see that we need is we need a teacher. And we not only need a teacher, we need the right teacher. And so he says, teach me Oh, Lord. Number two, the second thing we see about our need for help is this. We need help to learn. We need help to learn. Verse 34, he says, give me understanding. The idea is he's enlarging his prayer from verse 34. He not only needs to be taught, and he not only needs teaching, he not only needs to understand, but he is asking for understanding. Let me try and say it this way. The Bible affirms that sin makes us like children what i mean by that we've all seen it sin can make grown men act like kindergartners. now we know with kindergartners, we know there's a, a limited capacity to learn we don't we don't start five and six years old with with learning how to fix engines or we don't ask them to read the great american novel we break things down as much as we can so that they can gain the information we even acknowledge that some of that information is probably going to be forgotten. So the next time they move up a grade, we have to review. What well, the idea is, is that, that sin keeps us from understanding. We might know things. We might have knowledge. But sin will keep us from understanding. The Bible says that there are things, again, that a person is not going to understand until they're empowered by the miracle of grace. We need prayer, and we need to ask for understanding when it comes to the doctrines and teachings of the Bible. We need the Lord to illuminate by His Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, so that we can repent and believe and walk in faith. Maybe I could illustrate it this way. So, several, obviously, now 16 years ago, I graduated from a university with a Bible degree. I will tell you that from that university, I received an excellent education. But I would also tell you that I understood many things, but it wasn't until several years after graduation that I started gaining understanding. We must remind ourselves that grace is not just for salvation, but we need grace, we need mercy, we need illumination all through the Christian life. So he says, oh Lord, teach me. But then he also requests, give me understanding. I need help in order to learn. Number three, the third idea of ours is well, what we need help for our neediness. We need help to perform. Verse 34, the prayer becomes, make me, or yeah, verse 35, sorry, make me to go. Some of you might say, lead me. That's the same idea. It, it's, the, I, it's something very much what the Bible will say later. I want to do the right thing, but I don't always do it. I don't know how to do the right thing. So I want you to lead me. I love... Uh, I want God. To, I want to do what God wants me to do, but I don't find within myself the ability to do it. Now, ask why. Note where the author asks for help. He says, "I want this because your way is my delight." Now, the first idea there is growing the wrong way will lead us to things that do not satisfy. That's the reality of sin, isn't it? The promises over and over and over, saying if I just would do this, it would satisfy. If I go about it this way, I will feel better. That's, as I've mentioned many times before, I've had several men come to me Uh, over the years I've been in ministry, addicted to pornography. And one of the things I have to say to them is this. Loving your wife more isn't going to do it. You're not going to stop even if you try to love your wife more it's never it's not going to stop if you try to love your kids more it's not going to try it's not really going to stop unless you have more love for christ when you have a desire to delight in him to go his way the second idea here is to remind ourselves that when we walk with god we get to taste the good things how many of us have had this experience We've gone perhaps a long time walking with God, doing the things he wants us to do. And we can recount all the wonderful things that God has, come, uh, has done for us. Maybe you can testify this morning to how as you walked with God, it has changed your marriage, or it has changed your parenting, or it's helped you become a better person, or dealt with some of your anger issues, whatever it is. You've walked with God and you've seen how it's satisfying. Yet... I mean, I bet many of us could also testify to the fact, in spite of knowing and experiencing the sweet results of doing things God's way, we still find ourselves pulled in a different direction. We still find ourselves struggling to do the right thing. So we ask God, we want God to help us to do what he's called us to do. So, Lord, teach me, give me understanding, but now make me to go. Help me to perform what I have learned Help me to do what you have called me to do. Number four. The fourth idea here is this. We need help to keep from being deceived. We need help to keep from being deceived. Verse 37, he says, turn my eyes from worthless things. Now, there are many places in the Bible that we read how a man saw and was drawn away. For example, Abraham and Lot. You might remember the story, their flocks grew so large that they couldn't occupy the same territory, so they needed to split up. And Abraham says to Lot, you get to pick. And the text literally reads, Lot looked up and he saw the land and that it was green and prosperous, and he said to Abraham, that's the direction I'm going to go. But where do we find Lot not too many chapters later? In Sodom and Gomorrah, and all the tragedy that went with that. The children of Israel refused to go into the promised land because, we are told, they saw with their eyes walled cities and giant men. David's sin with Bathsheba is described in the scriptures. He looked upon her while she was bathing. And so you look at verse 39, it says, you see a prayer. God would turn away the reproach that he dreads. The idea here is this. I don't want to look with that which is empty because I also know that if it draws me away, I might become the excuse, I might become the reason somebody doesn't walk with God. Now note the author says that he wants his eyes to be turned away from empty things. We have to remind ourselves also in scripture that the eyes have the ability to take in the beauty of God's creation. The eyes have the ability to discern the signs of the time. In Proverbs, the eyes can lead us to see which roads might take us past temptation and go a different way. So when we ask God to keep uh, keep our eyes open, we want to be kept from being deceived. So that when we look with our eyes, we can see clearly where we should go. And then number five, we need help that's more than help. We need help that is more than help. Now, if we go through this, we see what we've learned. We say, God, I need you to teach me. I need a teacher and I need, I need you to teach me and I need you to be my teacher because only then will I, un, will I come to understanding or come to understand. And then he goes on and says, God, what I also need is help to under, have understanding what you have taught me. Now, once I, once I understand, I need help, Lord, to keep from getting sidetracked. Lord, I need help in order to do what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, my concern is if we stop there, our thought might be, well, the reality is all I need is a little bit of help. I'm not so bad. Things are not, I'm not doing too badly. I just need a little bit of help. Well, we have to notice what the writer says in verse 38. He says, establish thy word unto thy servants." I want you to understand what he's asking here. He is admitting that all the help might, need, might not be enough. He is anticipating there's going to come a time when something's going to happen, when doctrines and promises are going to be shaken. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. Have you? You ever had an experience with all the things that you have learned about God and all the times you've walked with God and something happens in your life and you are left shaken? That moment, what we need is more than just help. That's what the psalmist is saying. I want you to establish I want you to ground. I want you to make it so that it is unshakable. Instead of asking God for help him to build the walls and the roof and install the electric, he's asking God, I need you to build the house. Everything I touch is going to be suspect. I need you to establish. Everything in my nature leaves me vulnerable. I need more than help. I need your establishing, your rooting I need more than just help. Now, if we consider all five of these, let's make some application. The first one is this. It takes a great deal of maturity to recognize that we need help. It takes a great deal of spiritual maturity to recognize that we need help. It is very normal for us to dismiss and excuse our faults. We might only look out for what are considered the bad or the big sins. And if they're not in our lives, we're doing just, just fine. And sometimes we say, well, that's just me. When we look at a habit or a, pro- a problem or a pattern, we might say, well, I've been doing it for so long. That must just be my personality. What we need to embrace is what the psalmist gives to us here. We need to go to God and ask for help. And I would suggest to you as your pastor, that's going to include asking others to go to God for your sake. That takes some humility. I remember years ago, I was sitting in church. And this older lady had started coming. And uh, this was a, a good and proper church. And this, little, this lady who had started coming, who had become a part of the church and was loved by many people in the church. It was a Wednesday night pastor asked for prayer requests she put her hand up she said simply this i'm trying to quit smoking Now, i don't think a soul in that church knew she smoked now i understand there are times when it is good and proper for you to ask for help in prayer maybe saying you know what i have an unspoken sometimes that is good and proper to say i have an unspoken but let me ask you a question If that's all you give out are unspokens. If you can't admit in front of the church, if you can't admit your need for help in front of the church, whom God has given you for the help with your burdens, if you can't admit it in front of the church, are you really in your heart asking for help? The second application I would make is this. Why is getting help so important? We can actually see the, verse, uh, the, the answer in verses 37 and 40. It's about the way of life. When we, go, when we go the way God wants us to go, he fills up our lives. I tell people there's nothing more adventurous and exciting than living a life in the way that God wants us to live it. The world will constantly tempts us to think if we would just give up a little bit of what God wants us to do, we would have more. Now, I'm not talking about wealth and health and prosperity i'm just saying that when we walk with god and we seek to do things his way we find ourselves in the most interesting situations consider the the gentleman who spoke sunday night just a few weeks ago was not saved was in uh was into building as a career the lord saved him took him to a mission field now he's in uh, argentina And not only is he excitement of seeing people saved and seeing some of the most hardened criminals in the justice system, they're saved. He's also getting to experience the exciting of being robbed in his own home. The second idea here is it leads to everlasting life. We've been talking on Wednesday night. The Bible's been very clear that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the only way to salvation is provided by God. The only way to apply that salvation is by faith. This is God's way. This is the way to life. We, God's way is always going to lead to life, and of course, again, that includes putting your faith in Christ. And then the last application I'll make is this: it makes it takes some humility to recognize that we need more than help. We need God to lay down foundations. This is the example I could think of. There are a great number of wonderful biblical resources on God's design and help for marriage. And I can tell you that I know people who have read many marriage books and sat in marriage classes and gone to marriage retreats and gone to marriage conferences, and they still have trouble in their marriage. Why? Because we need more than just instruction. We need more than just the empowerment to do as we instructed. We need more than just being kept from temptation. We need to be established. We need more than help. We need the grace of God that brings salvation to be the same grace that brings us all the way through. So the simple fact is we are needy people. Like my friends who need a propane to heat their home, they had no way to obtain it on their own. We need help. In the information age where we have access to all sorts of knowledge, we need a teacher. And we need the right teacher. In an age where we have books upon books and podcasts and sermon videos, we need help understanding. In a world moving, struggling against the things of God, we need help to keep from chasing what is empty. And even as we see all this need, we need more than help. We need more than help. We need God to establish these things. To build the house. To be the one that saves. The one who helps us as saints. to Keep us going forward. To persevere. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the lesson from this psalmist. And recognizing the form that we need help. We need help in so many different ways. But Father, even more, we need more than help. Lord, we need you to do the work. We need you to establish. We need your grace to take us all the way home. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.